Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas NM and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and the New Mexico Runners. My name, of course, is Seth Bidoff. Joining me this evening, the one, the only, here he is, Earl Nieto. Earl, how you doing this evening? Uh, I mean, yeah, how, 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 how are you doing this evening? What did you think of Great American Bash? Obviously, there's a SummerSlam this weekend. How you feeling? I mean, I'm feeling great. I mean, I've had wrestling on my TV since last night. Um, so on YouTube, they have like a marathon going on right now about all the summer slams that have been happening. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about wrestling. I mean, my life is great right now. Wrestling on, um, spoiler alert, Sam Hamilton suspended. Um, so yeah, my life is great. I can't complain anymore if I wanted to. No one's going to listen anyways. <laughs> uh yeah sam hamilton will of course be serving a suspension this weekend for his double yellow card picked up on saturday evening um yeah i didn't watch too much of great american mash i know you know dom dom retained his title i know there's some big matches coming up this weekend at SummerSlam. uh what are you looking forward to on saturday night i'm hoping my audio didn't just give out no no perfect um, so what I'm looking forward to this weekend is I'm really looking forward to the tribal, whatever the hell they're calling it, the tribal battle, tribal, I drew a blank. Tribal combat, is that it. what they're calling it? Tribal combat. I knew it was something. Um, I just didn't know what they're calling it. So tribal combat, I am excited for that. I'm loving the whole bloodline, uh, bloodline saga i guess is what they want to call it just has me going berserk with it because you never know what's going to happen next Mm -hmm. yeah you know a lot of storylines obviously i think i think cody's got a match saturday night i think uh seth rollins has a match did did kevin and sammy have a match uh kevin and sammy do not have a match because kevin owens has broken ribs Mm. so if you watch this past monday night of raw he got written off because of his injury um, so Sami Zayn won't be, won't be competing for SummerSlam, which kind of is a bummer. I like Sami Zayn. I like Kevin Owens. Um, I like Kevin Owens tenacity and, and fierceness. Um, and then the Cody Rhodes match, we all know I'm a huge Cody Rhodes fan. Um, I was there when he returned. I was at WrestleMania when he returned. So I'm a huge, huge Cody Rhodes fan. Seth is also a Cody Rhodes fan because he grew up like next door to him or some shit like that. Pretty much. Uh, he also polished a jockstrap of Roman Reigns. Rumor has it. Um, <laughs> something about Georgia Tech, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know all the for the sorority and fraternity stuff. So it, I mean, don't ask, don't tell. I guess. In my opinion, one of the greatest players to ever come out of Georgia Tech. I mean, he's also one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. So, I, I mean, you know, that's what you know writing does for you. When you go from being jobbed by John Cena and being torn apart by John Cena on air to having your own promos and being the face of WWE, I mean, you're doing something right. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly done something. He's he's made himself into a household name. Um, I actually saw a clip earlier. Um, I guess he and Paul Heyman were on first take at some point. Was that recently? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, that was it was a couple of weeks back that they were on first take, and okay. like I said, he's became he's became what John Cena was back in the mid two thousand, the mid two thousand tens, where it was John Cena everywhere, John Cena on the movies, John Cena on the Late Show, John Cena on you name it, he was there. I've got two questions, two more questions before we move on from uh, the WWE talk. First of all, is Paul Heyman the GOAT? I've always loved Paul Heyman. Always. Um, nobody knows this. So breaking news for everybody listening and watching right now, which I don't know how many people we have on right now. I know two people are on Facebook. One's me. Um, so there's one other person on Facebook somewhere in this little universe that we have going on. Um, my favorite pay-per-view, and it was a pay-per-view back then, of all time, was Invasion. Mm-hmm. Where it was WF at the time, WWE, facing on the alliance of ECW and WCW owned by, WCW is owned by, yeah, the contract said McMahon, but it also said Shane McMahon. Um, as he sported his cool turtleneck in the heat of Tampa, Florida. Um, props to that guy. I mean, Shane McMahon is probably the greatest of all time of anything. The man voluntarily jumped off of a 50 foot hell in the cell just for views. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Shane McMahon does it all. So I'm okay with that. And then ECW was owned by Stephanie McMahon at the time and Paul Heyman. So Paul Heyman's always been one of my favorites. He's always done what was asked of him. He got beat the shit out of by Brock Lesnar, then turned around and got beat the shit out of by, by Roman Reigns, and then turned on Roman Reigns to go back to Brock Lesnar, to turn on Brock Lesnar, to go back to Roman Reigns. Um... Because this is a PG show, I'm not going to say what I want to say. Alrighty then. Um, last question. Who is the better heel at the moment? Dominic Mysterio or Logan Paul? Dominic Mysterio. Hands down. You think hands so? down. The, the, he's a kid. He's still young. He still has a lot of work to do talent-wise, wrestling-wise. He's not a bad wrestler by any means of the definition of the word but he does have some work to do to become the great but the fact that he night in night out just plays the part plays the part of anything handed to him he was handed Rey Mysterio's little son to where he had to deal with that and then turn around and became a heel in a blink of an eye by kicking Edge in the nuts, and then clotheslining his own father. Um, and then just putting them in with Judgment Day, where you have uh, formed big-name wrestlers such as Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley. You can't grow any more from that. I mean, that's that. All right. Speaking of heels, Saturday night, Orange County, New Mexico United losing 1-0. Who's the bigger heel of the match? Sam Hamilton or Milan Eloski? This one's tough. <laughs> because Milan Eloski, obviously, he's scored on the United before. He, When it comes to Orange County, 
you can almost guarantee Milanoloski will score. Um, he scored a couple years back in like five and a half minutes or some stupid number, some disgusting number. Like the game just, the match just started and he was already scored. Um, the fact that it took him 70 minutes to score or 80 minutes to score, whatever the number it was, um, it's kind of, kind of su- surprising, but I expected it. I expected Milanoloski to score. Um, I know I predicted a clean sheet last week, but for the second week in a row, ladies and gentlemen, I was wrong. Um, so, yeah, so Milanoloski scores, but then we all know how I feel about Sam Hamilton. Um, I text you guys right away as soon as it happened. Why? I don't know what to say about that because... I mean, I could say till I'm blue in the face. Why Sam Hamilton makes that kind of play, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I get it. He's trying to stop a 1v1 opportunity against Tambakis and and whoever the hell it was. Eloski, I think, was going at him. Um, regardless of who it was, it could have been Jesus himself. It was Among. Among. Tomas Among. Um, regardless of who it was, like I said, it could be Jesus himself. It could be fucking Joe Biden for all I care. You don't... You, I don't even know what to put, how to put words in it. But what I do know is, and I've never played professional soccer in my life, so I'm not the person to speak on this, but you don't tackle the last man going for a goal-scoring opportunity and expect to get away with it. I mean, typically, no. Uh, That's not the ideal situation. Obviously, we're talking about Sam Hamilton getting the red card in the uh, seventh minute of stoppage time uh in the second half and clearly a tactical foul by sam to try to prevent the the, the break by among among after he came on in i want to say it was the it was right after halftime because mcnulty randomly he came on like the 60 the 60th the 49th. or 65th minute it was the 49th minute because i'm uh, 49th, McNulty, okay. yeah mcnulty went off randomly and i was kind of thinking like why didn't they just make that substitution at halftime um because it used up so, one, of their, one of their windows my thing my I get why he did it. I understand. Sam is a team player. I get it. Um, And he didn't want to leave. He didn't want to leave Alex out there picking flowers. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, 1v1 against Among, against Oloski. I wouldn't put my odds against that any day of the week. Um, But the fact that he did it kind of put us in a worse situation than what we already were. If you watched the match, you had Sam all night pressing forward. Shit, he was even taking shots on target. So I get it. But by him committing that foul, he left uh And Christina, you're you're probably 100% right there. If it wasn't a loss, it was going to be a draw. Um, so Christina put, I'm sure he knew he'd get a card, but the timing wasn't worth it. They were going to lose anyways. Um, it's never the right time to commit a terrible foul like that. So back to what I was saying, uh, he left us in a worse situation than what we already were. Yeah, we're facing a loss. We're facing a 1-0 a deficit in the 80th minute. But by doing that, you still have 10 to 15 minutes to play. So in in essence, essentially he left 
he left right in he left Kalen out there as a lone ranger to guard the entire back line on his own because our wingbacks push forward. He I don't even know what to say. It was a boneheaded move, and that boneheaded move was probably about as big as a unicorn horn. Yeah, it really, I mean, obviously, you know, Sam is a very intelligent guy uh, in terms of his footballing IQ. He, he knew what he was doing. He knew that he was trying to stop that attack there. I mean, and yeah, it's unfortunate. That, I'm not entirely sure that he knew that he was the last defender. I mean, either way, it would have resulted in the yellow card um, because of the tactical nature of the foul. Um, but, I mean, yeah, at that point in the match, it was seventh minute of stoppage time. There really wasn't a whole lot that we could have done at that point. Um, it's not like it happened, you know, in the 70th, 80th minute, somewhere in there where you still have time, but, you know, looking at the performance as a whole Saturday night and, and the first thing that comes to my mind outside of our lack of ability to get anything on target, 12 shots, two on target is what was the substitution theory of Eric Quill on Saturday night? I was wondering the same thing. I was sitting there 65th, 70th minute, wondering when a sub was going to come in. Finally, we get one about the 82nd minute, I think it was. Uh, 79th was the first, and then the 84th was the second. Yeah, I I was right on target right there. Um, crazy use of subs. I mean, what, we used three subs all night? Uh, three, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jane, the substitution theory, exact, I mean, if that's a sarcastic question, exactly. Oh, it absolutely is. We didn't use uh, any substitutions until it was too late. We scored; They scored in the 70-something minute, and then we still played for 10, 15 minutes trying to figure out what's next. Um, no, I believe the red card happened in the 80th or 81st minute. It was the 97th. Oh, it was late in the match? Okay. Yeah, it was like the 97th minute, yeah. I thought it was later um, than that, so my yeah, apologies, that, everyone. I was wrong. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, you know, that's you know, it, it's not like it happened in like the 70th or 80th minute. It was the it was the seventh minute of stoppage. Um, but yeah, you look at the substitutions. I mean, obviously you wait until the 80th minute to even make your initial change. I mean, 79 so, technically, but yeah, I mean, you heard even even heard the Orange County announcers who I thought weren't terrible by any stretch of the imagination. They were saying that they that it was curious then. You know, they thought that even that they thought maybe it's you know he thought we were looking we were looking good. You know, and I mean, we had opportunities going forward. We put shots out. We just couldn't put anything on target. But yeah, it was just, it, I didn't understand it. You know, you've got, before we even made our first change, Orange County had gone through all three of their windows, made all five subs, and had fresh legs at that point. Yeah. By the so my, my question for you now, um, and really anyone in the chat, 95th minute, you're facing a 1-0 deficit with a one v a potential 1v1 situation against your keeper. What's what's worse? Going down 2-0 or losing your captain for the next match? I'm honestly, to, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to justify the thought process of what Sam was doing. I don't want to just throw him under the bus as much as I'd like to. Um, I don't want to run him over with that same bus twice. I want to fully understand from the soccer people who understand it more than I will, 
What's worse? Going down 2 nil in a match that you clearly already lost or losing your captain for one and if the USL wanted to, possibly two? Yeah, I mean, at that point, uh, again, obviously Sam you know, believed he was making a tactical foul, which he did. It's... It, he had just made another foul, you know, about 20 minutes earlier that had given him his first yellow card. But yeah, I mean, losing captain for the next match is obviously a bigger deal than going down two nil at that point. If you ask me, um, I mean, maybe, maybe he, maybe his thinking was that, you know, he makes that stop there. We get a chance to get the ball back and maybe make one last attack. I don't know, but I mean, realistically, I, I, I think the referee even blew the whistle before like, like rash, we kicked the ball off after that. So I, I mean, there really wasn't any time left, but yeah, it, it's it's unfor- it was an unfortunate decision by Sam to make that tackle. Like, I get why he did it, but the timing, the positioning, like it, it just it really didn't work out in his favor at all. And yeah, obviously, I, I understand why he did it. Yeah, I just don't understand the timing of it, and I I don't know. Yeah, I, again, it's, you know, Among, since he came in, had been giving us fits. You know, his, his pace down the right wing was just absolutely tremendous for Orange County. Uh, you know, I had Milan Alaski as my man, my man, the, my player to watch for Orange County the, last weekend. And the two of them together, just absolutely deadly. They, they really were. Um, you know, Among's pace really did a number on us. And uh, again, tactical foul, trying to trying to break the, break the, break the attack earlier in the match. I get it. It's a yellow card. And it really was a yellow card there as well. Um, I think. I think. Let me double check. I want to say they gave. No, they gave him a straight red. Um, yeah, it wasn't. It was not a second yellow. It was a straight red because yeah. it was a denial of goal scoring opportunity. Yeah, that, that's what I put too when I was uh, when I was tweeting. So yeah, last defender. I mean, I think Sam. I think maybe Sam thought he wasn't the last defender, and so he could potentially get away with a, a yellow there. Um, but either way, it's a, it's a send off at that point because of the earlier yellow card. But yeah, just a really silly decision. Um, now, now, fortunately, it does give us a chance. I think more than likely to see Kyle Colonna again on Saturday. Um, uh, so, Christina, uh, no, not in this situation. Um, I will double check the rules, but I believe in this case. Um, I'll double check. I don't know what Earl's doing. Um, but let me pull this up here. I'll look at the media guide because it does have the, the information in there. Um, I don't remember exactly. Um, I'm sorry, I missed what you said. I, yeah, I had to step away for a couple seconds. I missed what you said. <laughs> uh, I was, I was uh, looking to answer Christina's uh, question here. It, it might be... I think it's just one because it wasn't violent conduct. Yeah, it, kind of, um, it depends on what the what the conduct was. So if it's, I think if it's just a denial, it's just a one match, a one match. I think if it's something, um, discourse towards the ref or towards the official or towards another player, um, or I think even towards fans, I think it's a two to three, possibly five. Yeah, it does. It, yeah, obviously the. the that is going to be different. Um, so I am. So the I can't. The 2023 USL Media Guide is not up anywhere. I do have the 2022. Um, I mean, if David's see. in the chat, then 
Absolutely. If you want to chime in and give us some feedback on this, that'd be great. Yeah. All right. Uh, see, major game misconduct. Uh, serving suspension of the regular season. Any player and or coach sent off this mystery regular season game will be fined and be suspended for the next league regular season game. So there you go. Um, yeah. So the straight red, again, it wasn't violent conduct, just a, just a hard foul. It should be a one match suspension for Sam. Um, if we hear any different, we will let you guys know. Uh, that's what I thought it was, but um, I don't unfortunately keep the media guide up. Um, so yeah, Sam will miss Saturday at Hartford. I think it's going to be our opportunity to see Kyle Colonna on Saturday, uh, potentially getting another start back there against Hartford, I think might be a good thing for him. Uh, we'll talk about here that here in just a little bit, but Orange County, I mean, we just, we could not break down that Orange County defense. Like we kept pushing forward, which is, a, which was good, but too many times we get caught just moving the ball around because what Orange County was doing, we weren't quick enough off the ball. Well, on and off, on and off the ball, I should say, to get guys in behind. We weren't quick enough. We weren't able to break down um, Orange County. And what they were doing is they were dropping five, six guys back every single time because we weren't quick enough in that transition. And so they were they were dropping. If you watch, uh, it becomes really apparent early in the second half. They're basically sitting nine to ten guys in the box, trying to keep us from from getting out. And so. You can see us trying to play through the middle, look for spots here and there, but we just couldn't get through them. And and realistically, I mean, Orange County did a really good job at preventing, you know, Zach Quill's men from, from getting in there. I mean, Earl, was there anything that you saw that United maybe was just missing on Saturday that they could have taken advantage of? I mean, I text you guys in the chat as well. We played a lot of backball again, which we hadn't seen in two or three weeks. But I understand the tactic of it. I talked to Lucien um, a couple years back. I think last thing I talked to him to try to get the reason for it. Um, I think his name is Lucien, actually, not Lucien. Sorry. My, yeah. my mispronunciation. <laughs> um, regardless, he, he explained to me why they do it to try to get the team, try to get the opposing team on one side of the field to do a deep cross up to the other side and press the play up. It wasn't happening, and that's not going to happen when you have a fast-paced team like Orange County who have Milan Olaski, they have Tomas Among, um, they have quick players who can get back into play regardless of where the ball's at. So we kept trying that back play to try to break them down, and it wasn't happening. And then you, you, you said it. They had, I think, at 1.6 on the back line is what I counted. Mm -hmm. So with us playing man, I mean, we're playing where they're at. That's essentially leaving your three people in the back, not counting Alex, an entire empty midfield, and seven or eight people up top. That'd be seven people up top. That's not going to happen. When, when you're trying to play that back ball, trying to break them down, you're pretty much playing hot potato on who's going back this way, who's going that way. It's not going to work out. So, I mean, unfortunately, I hate to admit it, we got outplayed by Orange County is what it was. We were the better team. We're the better, better talented, better skilled team. Our front line is quicker than their back line. 
we just couldn't get to our front line. Yeah, we, we certainly couldn't. We weren't, uh, again, we weren't quick enough in transition. We couldn't get out ahead. We couldn't, you know, play the ball in behind. Um, I mean, we did lead position. We did, we did lead in shots, uh, but again, only two on target. I mean, you saw guys taking shots from, from spots that they normally wouldn't. Um, well, yeah, and, I mean, you saw Sam take a shot probably 15, 20 yards out of the box. I mean, I mean, yeah, we were just, playing desperate at about the 60th, 65th minute. Yeah, we did seem to find that extra gear there in the second half, but it just it wasn't good enough. Again, you know, Orange County basically just sat back as they sat back absorbing that pressure, and they kept clogging those channels. And one thing I kept noting um, was that if you looked at some of the passes we were trying to make, you could see Brucey trying to make that run in that center channel, like off the shoulder, but that center defense, that CD, a CDM was sitting right there, right in the middle of that passing lane. And they just, yeah, we, we could not get the ball into the areas that we really wanted, you know, through the middle of the pitch. And then, you know, and again, you know, you kept seeing us trying to work it around the outside again. And, and, you know, that's not something that we should be doing, at least not, at least not a whole lot of, and it wasn't working well for us on Saturday. And, and uh, yeah, Orange County played a heck of a game. They really did. They, you know, they, they basically took what we, everything we threw at them and then some, you know, um, so credit to Orange County. They were a team that, you know, I was saying last week was kind of Jekyll and Hyde uh, because of the nature of their performances. And they stood up. They played really well defensively. And they, you know, Milan Olaski obviously made it count uh, when he needed to. So, um, Earl, any closing thoughts on Orange County? I mean, no, we can beat a dead horse as much as we want to try and make it come alive, but it's not going to happen. Um, that's just how it is. Uh, like I said before, we got outplayed. I was wrong on my prediction by a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you were right on the scoreline, just different outcome. I think so. So yeah, I mean, like I said, we could we could play this back and forth game all night long. Um, but the fact that us talking about it, I mean, it, to be honest, it doesn't even hurt. It doesn't hurt. We're on a five-match unbeaten streak. I mean, five matches unbeaten with a new head coach. I'm still calling him new. A new mm-hmm. head coach against some really good teams. We took out the the top team in the league. We took out some decent teams in that run. We even played an English team all in that stretch. So mm-hmm. I don't have any fits about it. I mean, it hurt when I watched it. It's expected. You win some, you lose some, you can't win them all. Ask El Paso. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah, uh, that's very true. Um, yeah, I mean, El Paso still has not won <laughs> since we beat them. Uh, they lost again on Saturday by a final of 5-2 to two to RGV. Um, but yeah, with the way the results shook out after the weekend, we are back down below the playoff line, one point out of playoff contention, heading into this weekend's match against uh Hartford Athletic, the bottom dwelling club in the Eastern Conference. They are they've won one of their last five matches. I'm going back to see when the they lost when they actually won before that. Uh they're coming off of a five to two loss to San Antonio. And I mean they just got thoroughly spanked 
Um, I mean, prior to the, yeah, I think you have to go back to May. So yeah, <laughs> um, you say they got thoroughly spanked by by San Antonio, which is very yeah. true, mm-hmm. because on the USL Facebook page there is a, and I kind of feel bad for Hartford. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember the guy's name. He had a he had a weird a different name. It's not a weird name. He had a different name. And they the caption was, "How many goals did he score in the first half?" Mm. Do you know how many it was? I, I'm not even sure what you're referring to. So, okay, four goals. Yeah, so one player scored four goals in the first half. Okay. Um. So, yeah, so when you say they got spanked, I mean, no, they got their ass whooped. Oh, you're talking about, uh, you're talking about Oluwasi. Okay. Is it Oluwasi? I knew Oluwasi, it was so yeah. weird. It starts with a T and okay. it ends. Yeah, yeah. Oluwasi. He scored, yeah, so he scored he scored two in the first half, two in the second half. So, um, yeah, big night for him, obviously. But, yeah, it's it, it looked to be fairly, somewhat competitive in the first half. I mean, you know, 2-2 two, two at the half. And then San Antonio scored three more in the final 15 minutes or so of that match. And so, yeah, I mean, Hartford is not – there was some talk about whether or not this is a trap game for United. I mean, and obviously, you know, Hartford has had moments where they look good. Now, they did, of course, dismiss their head coach, Tab Ramos, about a month ago. Um, and so they really haven't been all that impressive this year. Uh, I actually ventured over to their uh, subreddit earlier today to get some uh, food recommendations for when I'm out there this weekend. Um, got some got some places that I might go check out. So, um, but yeah, like they they don't seem very enthusiastic about their prospects for the rest of the season. Um, they did just sign a guy. I want to make sure I have his name right. Um, but yeah, I mean. I mean, real quick, do you does this look like a trap game to you? Is this similar to Red Bulls last year, where United really played down to the opposition and put themselves in a position to where they could potentially lose that game? I'm hoping not. I'm hoping that we sit back and we watch the video from from last year, where we played Red Bulls, mm-hmm. and we watch it how we played the bottom dwelling team of the league. And we don't play down to that level. I mean, we have the talent to San Antonio them again. Easily. Yeah. Uh, I, don't disagree, I don't disagree with that. Okay, so the Hartford just signed Cuban international Modesto Mendez on a transfer from Inter-Miami CF2 of MLS Next Pro Defender. Uh, 25-year-old who played uh, with Inter-Miami while they were in USL League One. So, I mean, I, I you know, I really don't know what sort of chance Hartford has against this again, but I, I do have that – there is that concern. That and Yeah, I mean, anytime you play a bottom-level team, a bottom-dwelling team, um, in any sport – there's always that chance for it to be a trap game. And mm-hmm. that's the unfortunate part, but that's also the beautiful part about any sport is you never know. You just don't. So I'm hoping that we don't play this as a trap game and play down to their level and embarrass ourselves because if we don't handily beat them, that's kind of an embarrassment to the skill that we have. Yeah, so they are, they're 1-7-2 and two at home this year 
seven also losses. Also, nineteen and eighty-five this year. Yeah, they're they're not very good. Uh, they're three and fourteen and four this year. Um, they're sitting on thirteen points. Obviously, they do have a couple familiar names. Elvis Amo is out there. Anton Hopano uh, is out there as well. Um, so they do have some some players, but they're just not. They just don't seem to be together as a club. They don't seem to be uh, performing well from everything I've watched. They seem disjointed at times. Um, defensively, they're not very good. Um, they have given up a, a quite a few goals. Um, let me double check this here. I want to make sure I have my, my stats correct before I say how many. They have conceded. Oh, clean sheets. Okay. They have conceded 46 goals, most allowed in the league. Um, and we're obviously you know, one of the top 10 teams in the league in goals scored. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they just defensively, they're, they're not there. I, I don't think, I really don't think they have a chance. Now, obviously, bringing in Mendez is going to help stabilize that back line, but Hopefully. How much of a difference for them, yes. Uh, how much of a difference that one player can make, I don't know. I really don't. I I don't see you know Mendez being the guy for Hartford. I don't see him being you know the the one to to solidify that and and keep them, or even even give them a sniff. I think they may actually be close to mathematically eliminated at this point. Um, if if not already, uh, I I do jest about that a little bit. They do still have like fourteen matches, twelve matches left to play in the regular season. Uh, Thirteen matches left to play. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, they're still in it mathematically, but I, I don't like their chances. I don't, I, I don't Hart- like what they do. Hartford has always been one of those teams that you just never know. But that's, mm-hmm. the, and that's the thing about it. You never know about Hartford. Last season, they're also one of the bottom dwelling teams, but they played well against top level teams. I do believe they gave San Antonio a run for their money last season. I know they gave Louisville a run for their money last season. And then scoreline might be different, and it might not show that, but I do believe the first few – the first 30, 47 minutes, whatever it was, for Louisville, they gave them some fits. Now, to be fair, the, the East was a lot better last season than they've been so far this year. Loudon finished, ele- I'm sorry, not Loudon, Hartford finished 10th last season on 36 points, 10 wins, 18 losses. Um, so, yeah, they were a bit, a good bit better last year. Um, I, I, I have a feeling they're going to be down just a little bit in terms of point total from, uh, from then. But, yeah, I just don't see them working their way back up. And I think that we have far too much pace and far too much creativity out of the midfield for for Hartford to be able to, to deal with it. Yeah, and I hope that we play that way. Um, I hope that we take this match that we just lost um, and we carry it on our sleeve. And we go into Hartford and we absolutely punish them. Yeah, no, I, I, if, I agree with you. I think we need to see the guys playing with the chip on their shoulder. I mean, that Saturday night at Orange County, Probably should not have lost that one. Definitely played down a bit in that one. Um, but yeah, I think we did come out strong against Hartford because the following week you've got San Antonio. Uh, you know, 
the next couple of matches coming up, I mean, San Antonio, San Diego, Loyal, Oakland Roots, I mean, you want to have some momentum going into those matches. So to potentially carry you through, because I mean, that's a tough three match stretch there, particularly, you know, coming down to the, the, the hunt for the playoffs. I mean, every point really matters at this point. And if you, if you walk into San Antonio at home uh, with, with, you know, with a head of steam after heart went at Hartford, I think that bodes well for United next week. Yeah, absolutely. If we if we go in and hand Hartford the loss that they deserve, and let's just be honest, it's the loss they deserve. Um, I think we walk into San we walk into San Antonio with our heads a little bit higher than what they're going into Hartford right now with. And then if we can play San Antonio to a draw or even a win, San Diego Loyal is going to be a fun match to watch. Yeah, San Diego San Diego's gonna be interesting. San Antonio is gonna be interesting. Um I, I think what we were looking at maybe getting bees back for Oakland would be my guess. I think we're still I know we're still a few weeks away. Some folks are asking about him on the, the subreddit this past weekend. Um but yeah, it's this is gonna be pivotal. You know, walk away with this, get some momentum heading into that tough three match stretch. I think it gives us momentum. So again, San Antonio is gonna be at home for us. Um which will be which will be big in, the, in San Diego on the road, but yeah, I mean it's you know every point matters at this point. Uh, the guys need to come out with a chip on the shoulder. They need to play aggressive. They need to you know get the ball into the area, get opportunities uh, for 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 Brucey and for you know Jacobo and the other guys, who, anyone else who plays on Saturday, give them opportunities to put the ball on frame. You know we can't be taking shots that don't even threaten the goal. I mean we've got to you've got to threaten more. You've got to ask more questions of the keepers. And I think if we do that, United could walk away from this. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I'm gonna say three nil on Saturday against Hartford. I was thinking the same thing. Um, so if we go in there and we play smart and we distribute the ball like we should, I mean, we have Nicky Hernandez, who's really mm-hmm. freaking good. If we distribute the ball like we should through the middle to the attack whether it's to the wings or to Harry or to Brucey in the middle or if Bruce is even in the middle, regardless of who we're feeding it to from the midfield, we're deadly. We're dangerous. And I'm going to match you on a clean sheet, but I'm going to say five. Five, okay. I'm going to the old Jacob, in memory of Jacob today, five nil. <laughs> well, Jacob, if you listen to this tonight or if you're watching this tonight, if you listen to this later on the week on the way home back from Santa Fe, we miss you, bud. We do miss you. All right. So they have a five nil, three nil scoreline predictions for Saturday. Um, I can't wait. I'm excited. This is uh, my first trip out to Hartford. Uh, gonna head out there. You stay on... out there. <laughs> uh, no, I will be back uh, late, late Tuesday. So we'll probably do the show uh, Wednesday night next week. But yeah, I'm gonna fly out of here on Friday. Spend some time with Pennsylvania, drive up to Hartford on Saturday. I've been giving some recommendations as far as uh, some places to eat. Um, so I don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it? No, you keep your food to yourself. <laughs> I don't know. I'm interested in trying some clam pizza. So I'm interested in punching the mouth for saying that. <laughs> All right. Earl, any closing thoughts on Hartford on Saturday? No, I'm... I'm hoping for a win. I'm hoping I'm not terribly off and terribly wrong. And hopefully it's a win. Hopefully it's not a loss or a draw because then that's just embarrassing. Um, 
that's really all I got on that one. I've been told no clam pizza. Thank so. God. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see about that. We will see about the. I clam think you're pizza. gonna lose this battle, bro. I'm gonna let you know now. You're gonna lose the battle on clam pizza. <laughs> I'm in, I'm intri- I'm intrigued by the idea of clam pizza. I am so. Um, but yeah, so Saturday night, New Mexico United versus Hartford, uh, from Trinity Health Stadium. I believe that match is set for five thirty. Five thirty. That is correct. Five thirty. No, five o'clock. I apologize. Five o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Um, <laughs> you have been thanked for agreeing. So, um, yeah, five o'clock Saturday. Uh, ESPN Plus, uh, ESPN Radio, one one seven. The team you can catch the match. Obviously, we'll have the podcast up before then. I will have a preview over on ESPN, uh, ESPN one one seven. The team's website. You can check that out later this week. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's about it. I can't wait to get out of town, spend a few days out of here, spend a few days with my girlfriend. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, and then, yeah, like I said I'll be back on Tuesday, late, late Tuesday night. Uh, so podcast next Wednesday. We'll talk about Hartford. We'll talk about San Antonio next week at home. Uh, I know we've got some folks traveling up. Harry and Robert, if you're in the chat, hopefully we get to see you guys next weekend. And uh, I know you guys listen to this, so you guys hit me up. I will be at the match with my fiance, and I call her my bonus daughter, but she's pretty much my daughter at this point. Um, And her cousin, Marlena's nephew. So Definitely hit me up. Definitely want to talk to you guys. I won't be drinking a beer with you guys because I will have my media pass. Um, That's right, Earl. No alcohol and, while you're on the clock. And as a working member of the media team, I cannot indulge in the alcoholic beverages, even though I don't even do it regardless of media membership or not. You can always drink before the game. I don't even drink, dude. <laughs> I know. I know you don't. You you have put a you put a stop to the drinking, which you know, kudos to you for that. That was a trap. Uh, you know she's listening, and that's why you said it. And you, sir, are a jerk. <laughs> With that, Christina, Jane, thank you both so much for being in the chat this evening. For everyone else listening on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you may be listening to the podcast feed later this week, we do appreciate each and every one of you. So, again, next week, Wednesday night. 9 o'clock Mountain Time. We will, we will be back to break down Hartford, look ahead to San Antonio. So until then, Somos Unidos. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United, the USL, and the New Mexico Runners. All of our shows are recorded live on Tuesday nights and are streamed on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. An audio-only version of the show goes live later in the week on all major podcast platforms. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bidoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using StreamYard and Audacity.